Everybody, welcome to the Growing with Fishes podcast, episode two hundred and forty-two. Uh, this week we have Chuck Collins of Together We Grow out in Arizona. Thanks a lot for joining us this week. Happy to be here, brother. Thanks for having me. All right. Um, we also have a, a, a really good show uh, lined up for you guys tonight. I'm super stoked. He has a a really, really cool uh, little farm out there and has been uh, very popular on YouTube lately. And uh, he's going to tell us all about uh, all the cool stuff he's been doing out there. He actually has one of the neatest uh, off-grid aquaponics systems that I've seen uh, anywhere. Certainly one that's been uh, shown off uh, uh, start to finish. Uh, uh, sorry, there's some funny, funny stuff in chat. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, so thanks a lot uh, for joining us this, this week. Um, and then also check out... Um, uh, for those of you that don't know, you can check out. I'm a little bit behind this week. Sorry, guys. Um, uh, APMJclass.com, which you can see here. Uh, we have a huge uh, online class, a huge library of, of topics. Uh, we have two live sessions a month. The next live session will be uh, Sunday the 13th at noon Pacific time. So if you've got questions and you're part one of the students, be sure to check that out. Uh, we will be sending the link out the, the day before uh, if we need that. And then, but yeah, we cover a whole wide range of different topics. We have pictures, videos, system tours of all the different types of facil commercial facilities uh, that we don't post on uh, anywhere else. And a, a whole new build out at Marty's, a whole new greenhouse build that he's doing. Um, and then I have uh, some couple larger facilities we'll be doing step-by-steps uh, -step with later this year. So we'll have a lot of really cool content that we'll be adding each month uh, on top of the already 650 plus slides and over seven days of, of film content that we already have on there, uh, just in, in course material. So uh, be sure to check that out if you're looking for more of a deeper education off of the cannabis. Oh, looks like you lost him there. Uh, hopefully he'll be back in a second. He was having some connection issues a little bit earlier, but he has a really, really cool. Sorry um, about that, guys. No worries. Um, so uh, you have a, a really awesome uh, farm out there in Arizona uh, that's become uh, uh, quite the hit online. Uh, why don't you tell us about yourself and uh, a little bit about your farm? You have a, a you know, really, really cool off-grid um, solar-powered aquaponics uh, system. And uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. I, I appreciate that, my man. Um, well, um, it, it started um, when I was a little kid. Um, my, my mom, and I, I love saying this because, and I love spreading this because, guys, if you're, if you're lucky enough to have a parent in your life, even both of them, love them, cherish them, because my mom is my everything. And I know it's corny. I'm a half century old, but my mom really is my everything. And um, through my grandparents, I always had a garden around me. My grandparents down in Baltimore, Maryland, um, we always had a farm farm, cows, chickens, the whole nine. And in upstate New York, my uh, mother, who's originally my grandparents, who originally, well, my grandmother, who's originally from Virginia, 
Um, she had always had a beautiful, just gorgeous garden in her backyard. So not only was I fascinated with the gardens, I was fascinated with the insect life that was happening around them. I was fascinated with the entire everything. It seemed like as hectic as the world was around me, these plants, these insects, these little animals, they had it together. And I always felt at peace with that. Now, um, being from the ghetto, we didn't have much of anything, but like I said, my mom fostered my imagination. Thank you, mommy. And, um, you know, only not only gardening, so she would take me from the garden and then she'd take me to the children's library and she'd introduce me to astronomy. And I remember this day so vividly, so fondly, because somehow even at that age, I believe I somehow made a connection between the two, between the earth and the stellar universe. And I've always searched to discover, investigate that connection. You know, how can we live on a moon? How can we live on Mars? We're living on earth. We should be able to do this other places. And I was never able to like fully research it or fully follow through because, you know, I, I served the military disabled veteran, all right, United States Navy. Um, and I went on with my professional career as well as being a father, but I never left. I never lost that dream. I never lost that, that wanting to know how can this happen? And I think it has a lot to do with being from the ghetto when you have nothing, your imagination is everything. So there's no limit to what you can do. And to have parents to foster that, I think that's of the utmost importance because I, I definitely wouldn't be here like if, if I didn't, if I didn't. But enough of that. I know that's why I'm not here, my man, my bad. Um, back to um, the story at hand. Um, living in the desert um, gave me an opportunity to actually explore what that experience would be like. Having Biosphere 2 here and knowing what Biosphere 2 was doing, but knowing that in some way, I think I can advance what they're doing with applied science. Now, if you hear what I said, I didn't say that I can change. I'm going to, oh, change and just redo what they did. No, Biosphere encouraged me to advance what they were doing with already presented applied science. Um, when I realized that, instead of looking at devices and things of that nature, pardon me, when I realized that, I said, I'm going to take this opportunity to use what I'm learning from my job. And hey, guys, I'm, I work at the Kitt Peak National Observatory. I'm a um, program specialist slash astronomer. Um, if you think I know gardens, you got to put me on the stars. That's my playground is the sky. But um, back to what we're saying, that's not a shameless plug. Sorry about that, brother. <laughs> but the, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, back to what we were saying. Um, uh, it's um, once we were in Tucson, we were like, we could apply a lot of these scientific theories that are out there and we could really do it on a small scale from our backyard. Um, before NASA um, announced that they were going to use techniques, techniques such as aquaponics, and before NASA, which I think was three months ago, announced that they were actually going to lose tilo use tilapia, four years ago, whatever, 2017, yeah, four years ago, we were already thinking this is what they're going to have to do. So we said if Biosphere 2 is in Tucson, pardon me, basically out just outside, if it's in Arizona, we can really give this a crack. And so we set up I can go through the whole story of how we got our aquaponics rig, but that's a whole different thing. I'm telling you, Steve, for you yeah, guys that are listening. People, a lot of people uh, don't, 
you know, have access to stuff and it might be another good way for other people to acquire stuff. I'd, I'd love for you to tell people about that. You got, thank you, my brother. Trust me when I say this, my guys, Craigslist, Facebook market are your friends. Okay. Aquaponic groups, hydroponic groups, alternative gardening groups, sustainable gardening groups. Like I'm, I'm not like, I'm not like, Brother Dread, the dreadnought right there. I'm not like him, all right? I started in 2017. I'm new. I'm new. I was able to go to people like him and find out and learn things. Learn things. Because people who know and people who grow are not assholes. Excuse my language. I know you're going to have to bleep that out, but pardon me. All right? Pardon me on that. But they're not. They're fantastic fantastic people and when you get to know them when you become a part of the culture like I posted something today uh for you guys that don't follow me on Facebook or whatever I posted something today something that I found in Peoria Arizona and it was two aquaponic rigs rigs one was a chop and flop the other was a um big bay 300 tank and two tray both for a hundred dollars both with biofilters included here's the thing if I mean a hundred dollars a piece Here's the thing, if you're connected, if you're in there, not only will you know how to grow, you will have the assets, you will have the resources to grow. That system that you guys see in that video, that aquaponics rig, uh, cost me $225. That's it. That's it. All of the piping, the pumps, um, the tubing, the air stones, $225. Not because someone was desperate. They weren't, is it okay if I shout someone out right now? You can, shout out, you can curse, you can do all the things on this I show. did not know that, but my mama raised me right, so I'll try to, I'll try to hold my tongue, sir. All right? My well, mama raised me right. We are, we are already <laughs> automatically flagged by YouTube because uh, we're, you know, also yeah. sometimes cannabis related. So we're, yeah. we're, you know, we're already pre-flagged. So go ahead and say whatever you want. I, my dude... My dude's name is, um, well, and I call him my guardian angel. His name is um, Jed Darren. And um, we use the term together we grow, like our company does, because I've always been a person to outreach, to reach out. And I believe that everyone is my friend. And when I say I love everyone, I really do love everyone. I love those who don't love me because that's the power of love. It's that magnificent, man. And I'm saying that because um, I went to one of my other best friends, one of my best friend's weddings. He's an MMA fighter out in um, Portland. Um, <laughs> his name is Mike Pierce. And um, I, I enjoyed the wedding. It was amazing. I met another friend. Well, if you guys are in Portland, his name is Des um, McMillian. He owns his gorgeous, gorgeous food truck. The truck is amazing. He's all vegan. He's a huge influence in my life. But I met Dex, hung out with Dex. I ended up meeting another person through Dax when I returned back to Tucson, Arizona. And this is months up, years later. And his name was Jed Derry. And Jed is like Renaissance man. He's like, he's like a, everyone that I named to you so far is like a superhero. I mean, like real life X Games superhero. Like these dudes jump off of mountains and shit for no reason, man. I mean, they, they do that. They, their trucks don't look like that for no reason. Their trucks look like that because they run shit over. So I'm saying these are like those real, real, they need to have documentaries about them. Not even doc, they need some shit on National Geographic kind of show because they're that truly living. They're so alive. And 
So, um, brother, they, um, they, um, they, um, Jed, I ended up meeting Jed, and it, is, it was at a time where my uncle Bryson died. So I was sending out to the universe the vibes to please help me deal with this. Please help me not even get over it because it was the biggest influence in my life. When he passed away, he wrecked our entire city where I came from. It, it broke us all. And Jed came through. He came through like a blessing. And I say that because, you know, folks, when you put that positive energy out there, I'm not saying expect it to come back, expect something in return, but put it out there. And like Dory from Finding Nemo, just keep swimming, swimming and a swimming, swimming and a swimming. And that positive energy is going to compound and come back at you when you least expect it. And that's what happened with my aquaponics rig. That's what happened with, and Brother Dredd, I got to tell you, man, that's kind of what's happening with um, you as well. It is. It, 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 it is. It's, I obviously have heard of you. It's just that you were so out of my realm of knowing. Like, you're not going to meet this dude. It's like the dude from Australia. What's his name? Rob Gray. Um, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, Rob Bob. And there's Rob Bob out of Australia, super gardener, super guy. Um, him, Brian Bullock. It's like you, you, you meet, you hear about these guys, but you don't expect to like meet them, whatever, hear them say anything about you. And when you do, it's so humbling because all I did, and you hear me say this, is plant that first seed and started growing. The one thing that I always did is I never, ever, and I never will think that I know everything. When I meet anyone, I'm an open vessel. I'm an open vessel. Knowledge is most true to the vessel that is most open to carry it. Bam. Awesome. And uh, so why don't you tell people about your, your system design? Um, uh, you have a, a really cool, um, completely off-grid uh, system with the solar power and the flood and drain and the uh, bell siphons and, and different things. Tell us about you know the, the layout of your system. Well, you got it, brother. The entire system is powered by an 800 watt solar array with a 10 100 plus hour battery pack um, with a 10 100 plus hour battery pack uh, reserve. Uh, we also have, um, pardon me, uh, a 45 watt air pump. Now, when I tell you it's 45 watt, it's because when it comes to living off grid and have seven, your aquaponics grid your aquaponics grid be sustainable, you're actually dealing with watts and you have to know how many watts each device is using. So it's kind of um, a riddle to figure it out, but once you do, you can stay within confines of what your solar panels and your batteries can do on and off peaks on our times. So that's what we figured. Um, that's one thing, yeah, the, um, the biggest thing that we have that pulls from our solar array would be our water chiller. And we use that to chill our hydroponics gardens. And we have that set on a timer basically from sun up to sundown. And we also have meters on every single outlet in our gardens that allow us to track how much power they're using, how much power they take, and when peak powers, I mean, when peak power hours are. Timing is everything, especially when living in a desert, you have to kind of think outside the box. Um, we use a form of um, cooling. It's, a, it's our own form of um, evaporative Now, it's one form of evaporative cooling. And it's basically having a fan blow the hot air off of the top of the water. Now, let's keep in mind, a larger volume of water, the easier it is to maintain a temperature in it. 
In ours, we have roughly a 350 gallon volume, 350 gallon volume of water with an additional 200 gallons of water in each grow bed, our two grow beds. Now, well, pardon, yeah, into each grow bed. So when the hot water, which is lighter, which is actually at the bottom of the um, tank, fish tank, um, as it rises to the top, all right, now just keep in mind, it's this simple evaporative cooling. As the hot water rise, the hot molecule, uh, water molecules rise to the top, the fan creates a steady flow to remove those hot water molecules. The volume of hot water molecules that are now gone are replaced by cold water molecules. So with the ease use of a fan, and to give you an example, yes, but with the ease use of a fan, um, we keep a nominal temperature between 71 to 72, um, pardon me, to 74. Today, it was 104.8 in Tucson, Arizona, and the hottest it got in our aquaponics tank was 76 degrees. All of this is powered by that solar array again. So the fan using to cool the aquaponics rig and the actual chiller, the water chiller, being used to cool the hydroponics rig, all powered by the sun, which is very important to us right now because um, between the hours of three and seven are our peak um, energy charge hours in the city of Tucson. And we're in the desert and it's precious. It's precious. The least footprint you can leave on a grid, the better. Knowing that that garden can go out there when we suffer through our rolling brownouts, knowing that our garden will never know the difference. Changes my mentality, not just my mentality, it, just, it, it, it changes just your outlook because thousands and thousands and thousands of gardens died last year. We had the hottest summer on record in history in Tucson, on history in Arizona. We had, I think, a month straight where the temperature was steadily over 110 degrees, something like that, three to four weeks. Our gardens, um, pardon me, our um, aquaponics garden not only survived, it prospered, it blossomed. We were growing cucumbers and watermelon during the hottest heat wave in the history of Tucson. We had pictures. You go through our, our history on Facebook, you'll see them. I'm holding up a picture. I said, it's 114 degrees today. This is a 22 pound watermelon, aquaponics. So it's, it's all magical, but for aquaponics, uh, we do have the 350 gallon um, primary um, tank. Um, we have, um, it's gravity driven. So the only pump that we have is in a bucket, which um, takes the place of our sump pump, which is in the, um, the um, furthest away, the furthest most um, grow bed. So the water goes through the two, um, pardon me, the water goes through the lava rocks and the two grow beds, might I add. We also have a, um, a, um, healthy, um, a healthy population of red wiggler worms in there that help with the breakdown process and also help with the nutrient creation process being in the form of castings for the plant roots. It's um, it's pretty cool, I think. I think, oh man, I didn't know you were gonna do that. <laughs> you can show off your farm a little bit. Uh, so uh, you have a kind of a full integrated farm. You actually have pigs and stuff there. Why don't you tell us about some of the other stuff that you're doing aside from the aquaponic farming on your farm? Uh, you got it, whole, brother. Well, those, here you go, those are our pigs. Kevin is a black one, Kobe, pardon me. Yeah, Kevin's the black one. Um, Oh, pardon me, Kevin's, wow, I gotta get my pigs right. Kobe's the black one for Black Mamba, but it stands for um, Kobe, um, honestly, I gotta tell you guys something, it stands for Kobe bacon, pardon me, Kobe beef, Kobe beef. Now, I know it's a pig, but I got a twisted sense of humor, man. And the other one is Kevin, the tan one, he's Kevin bacon. And these guys, 
they're helping us rebuild our soil, rebuild our soil in the backyard because pigs are terrific rooters. So for two or three hours a day, we let them out. They turn over our soil. As the season, as the summer goes on, you'll look through our yard and you'll start seeing more and more grass show up. The pigs also provide pig poop, which we put into the compost and into the compost tumbler, which provides um, nutritious fertilizer for our soil. Um, we break it down to its um, till it's no longer hot. We break the nitrogen down out of it. And then we also offer it to our neighbors and to our resident growers in the city of Tucson. That would be our hydroponic system right there. And um, oh, look at that. That's um, our tomato towers. That was inspired by the leaning, by the um, hanging towers of Babylon. And our neighbors are growing grapes and they have these beautiful grape over, overhanging grapevines. And I was like, what if we could do the same but with tomatoes. And those tomatoes that you see are the same tomato plants from that paragraphic video. Those are all cloned from a tomato plant that we grew two years ago from seed. And that two-year-old tomato plant um, survived the hottest summer that we had on record. So these dudes are bomb-proof, man. They are. You look at them now, you got like tomato, you got cherry tomatoes bigger than golf balls on it. Okay, I think we're back up. There we go, more to the hydroponic. If you see that white camera, oh, there we go. Oh, those are my baby pigs again. Those are where the chickens are at. <laughs> this is so cool. We use that black covering, that's a 40% shade block. And that's what we use to actually keep our temperature down um, in the desert. Now, the, um, our, our um, hydroponic and aquaponic gardens are both aligned east to west west to east, because primarily that's the path that the sun travels. So you don't have to worry about blocking the sides, you just have to worry about covering their head. Sort of like our own heads, if we were out there on the beach, you got the sun hat on. Same effect with the shade cloth over the aquaponics tank and over the hydroponics tanks. I love our fish. And they, you know, in the one video, in the documentary, I said that we have about 100 fish in there. We don't, we actually have about 60. And when I said, I want to clarify something else. When I said that um, they self-control their population, it's not that they're gobbling each other up. It's that in order for tilapia to usually and, and assuredly reproduce, they like a temperature between 80 and 86 degrees. Our tank never gets that hot. So their libido or their energy to actually breed, it's slowed down. It's slowed down. So it's once again, it's nature. It's us using the temperature. The fish are happy, the um, plants are happy, the bacteria is happy, the worms are happy. We have plenty of video of the fish inside the um, tank. You can see for yourself how happy the fish are. Um, you can actually pet our fish. They're very aware of your existence. So we don't harvest them in any way or form or fashion to where we're just gonna take off 40 or 60 of you out at once. We don't do that. Sustainability means that you're growing within. You're growing within. Sorry about that, sir. So they're making bacon seeds. Yeah, just be quiet, man. <laughs> okay, this is what they do when they're nervous and they can't figure out what the hell's going on. They saw me talking on my phone in a video and he's like, what the shit is this? Who's in front of him? There's nobody there. So Kobe does that. And then the other thing you see them doing with their heads against my leg, that's how they mark you. And that's how they say, hey, I love you. Is everything okay? They have these glands um, that emit the secretion on their necks. And basically that's their communicating with you. When I tell you these guys are incredibly smart, they're super smart. That's my little solar array. 
Hey, you see that shed? That was thrown out on a curb by one of our neighbors. We picked it up. They helped us bring it over here. They said it was free. And we then went on um, Facebook Marketplace, pardon me, on Craigslist, and we found the initial solar array that we got. So our aquaponics rig and our solar rig all together cost us about 425 initially. Just think about that. That's no batteries included or anything like that. This is the back end of the um, aquaponics rig. And you'll see that cover that's partially over the fish tank. You can also see that white band that we use to um, move the air over the tank. And this is the back end of the tomato garden. Look at that. We had um, a professional gardener come here and he just looked at those four plants. He looked at those 12 plants and he said, um, that's about 2000 tomatoes there. And that entire space is four by four. That's it, four by four. Once again, that's the shade cloth, 40% sunblock. Here's our said, oh man, you make me want to go out there right now. Which actually I have to in a little while because um, I have to transplant some basil in the backyard. We have um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight different types of basil that we're putting back there. We have lime, spicy globe, holy green, sweet Genovese, Thai, um, Italian large leaf, lemon, and um, dark opal. We grow these every single year because I like pesto and I love caprese salad and basil is delicious and super healthy. But when you've got basil and you've got tomato and all you got to do is go out and get yourself a little mozzarella, guess what? You are set for a summer luncheon. And I say it like that, man, because I'm from upstate New York. We're like crazy Italian up there. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so what are some of the other hot weather crops you found did really well in Arizona? I mean, you've grown really in the, in the high, high heat. Well, um, right now, um, we're growing delicata squash. We're growing butternut squash. We're growing um, two types of cucumbers. We're growing um, two types of watermelon. We're growing cantaloupe. We're growing, like I just said, eight types of basil. We're growing green onions. We're growing Swiss chard. We're growing curly kale. And we're growing beets. Now, the thing with aquaponics and the thing with desert growing is, remember how I said earlier, guys, that you keep that temperature at that level? And the reason being is the plants can't take the temperature above, I mean, they can take it above 80 degrees, but they don't like that. 85, the, the roots start dying off. And that's the primary temperature where the fish like it. So you try to find a middle ground for the plants and for the fish, which would be between 68 to 474 degrees. So in the minds of the plants who primarily tell the temperature by their roots, not by their leaves, in the minds of the plants, it's not 114 degrees outside. It's not a massive world-changing heat wave. This is a great place to grow. This is a great time to put out fruit. This is a great time to put out flowers. So that's the biggest thing that we apply to desert growing. You have to know your climate. You have to grow with the desert in spite of it. Now, in the hydroponic side, because we're using the water chiller, we keep the water once again below 80, 85 degrees, nominally between 74 and 76. And that's great for the roots. No fish included is great for the roots. We would try to keep the water cooler, but it's not efficient on the power system that we're using, which is solar. It's not efficient at all. So in that case, we use the powered water chiller. And in um, hydroponics, we're growing um, 
oh my gosh, it's a huge variety of peppers. Um, I don't want to mistake naming them off, but um, ghost pepper, Thai pepper, um, long Italian hot pepper, uh, shoot, hold on, Ukrainian um, sweet pepper, serranos, and oh my gosh, I think I'm leaving one out. I think I'm, yes, shishito peppers. I did get them all. And we're growing three types of tomatoes. And this is in this blistering heat where people's plants are starting to suffer already. Fruiting plants are already shutting down. They can't take it. Ours are still putting out brand new buds. We've been doing this. So it's not like we just figured out how to do this. We've been doing this in the desert since 2014. But we started aquaponics and hydroponics in 2017. Pardon me, we started um, aquaponics in um, 2017. Pardon me, 29, yeah, 2017. So we put this to use. We put this to practice. Now, um, I'm not sure if you guys can see in the background, but you see some pretty healthy plants behind me in the background. The only food that those plants get are the water, the wastewater, quote unquote, from the aquaponics rigs when we clean out 75 gallons every three months. We use that to fertilize the traditionally grown plants in our gardens. We use nothing else. And they don't not only prosper, they don't only prosper, they are doing tremendous. Aquaponics fish emulsion is one of the most expensive fertilizing sources that you can get. But it's a byproduct of using this system that's already given us so many benefits. You know what I mean? And I'm a newbie to this and I'm seeing this. I'm a newbie. Well, and, and one of the other things I was gonna to mention too is in the wintertime, the inverse is true. So if you have a super cold night, uh, for instance, and you can get lights to come on, um, even at you know three o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, and uh, all the way to dawn, and get those plants to start uptaking that warm water through the roots. You can actually help warm the plants up internally as well. Um, uh, You're absolutely right. You are you are absolutely right, and I'm glad you brought that up because um, a misconception is that it's hot all year round in the um, desert. No, um, um, you can you can go through some videos or pictures uh, that I posted, and um, you'll see mountains. I mean, pardon me, you'll see snow on the mountains right in the backdrop of my house. Uh, we get cold. We get cold. It's at night, we get cold. Like, it, it drops. When the sun goes down, it's like someone pulled a light switch and all the heat on Earth goes away in Tucson during the fall, in the um, spring, in the um, winter. Now, um, in our case, if you look at our, our, um, our aquaponic and hydroponic gardens, both of them have um, a metal frame around them. And that frame is actually, it goes to a quick tent that we bought pretty affordably, maybe a little over $100 on Amazon, right? So that frame comes with a green shell. It comes with an ultraviolet protected shell, which one person can put on in about 10 minutes, two people can put on easily in less than five minutes. We use um, um, planter stones to um, hold the rocks down. I mean, pardon me, to hold the um, flaps down on the side of the um, greenhouse. Once those rocks get that on the flaps of the greenhouse down into the pressure of the unnatural soil, it's not exactly airtight, but it's darn near airtight. Once again, heat rises. We use a small, small, small foot heater inside of that greenhouse. Once again, powered by, we just said, because it's maybe a um, 350, 400 watt heater. It's an 800 watt um, solar system. It's an 800 watt, um, what you call it, um, solar um, power station. So we'll use that foot heater. It's like blowing up, um, it's like blowing up um, one of the balloons that you go traveling and it's like blowing up one of those. 
the heat rises, it basically fills out that um, greenhouse cover. And the temperature inside that greenhouse, when it's about 38, 46 degrees outside, it's about 78 inside there. Pardon me, not 70, 74, 76, once again, inside there. So we use minimum effort, maximum thought and engineering and science in order to get the expected outcome that we could get. Awesome. So what, uh, what are some different methods that maybe you've tried that um, you kind of figured out maybe a tip or a trick or something kind of unique with a certain plant or something that maybe you feel like you maybe kind of figured out something kind of uh, a little bit more streamlined or something. I'm sure you've you found a couple of cool things along the way so far because you've been really, you know, tinkering and, and uh, you have uh, quite the the, the tinkerer's mind. Uh, uh, you were telling me a little bit about what you do for work and uh, before the show, and uh, I'm sure you you come up with some cool stuff. Well, <laughs> I would think it's cool. Um, I'm not sure, but I, I'm a gardener, man. I'm a gardener, and I'm a scientist, and I'm a nerd, so I think the weirdest stuff is cool, brother. Um, um, one thing is um, cloning, and once again, I'm, I'm not the most experienced gardener, guys. This is just your boy, Chuck, all right? Like, plant that first seed together, we grow. But I realized, like, with tomatoes, cloning and um, um, tomatoes. Like, um, before, I always knew that they were called suckers, right? And then I learned all of these tips and techniques uh, to, like, you get this type of um, stuff that you dip it in. You know what I'm talking about, the stuff you, you dip the um, sucker in put it in the um, substrate and then it helps the roots accelerate. You got to do this. You got to have it at this temperature. You got to have it at this degree. I got to tell you guys something. I realized that when I had that cherry tomato plant that survived those two years during the hottest time ever in our history, I was like, if my um, solution, if my hydroponic solution is, is leveled out and everything's good, I should just be able to take these. And this is after like 40 different experiments on trying to get them in clay, started in clay balls and in cocoa core. Um, I said, I should just be able to take this and just set this right on the side. I should be able to set this right on the side. Um, and when I say right on the side, I mean right next to one of the fabric pots in the grow beds. And the roots should take. Instead of all of that house and fuss, I should be able to do that and the roots should take. Lo and behold, after like 40 some odd tries, I did that in the roots took. Then here's another important one. And I wouldn't recommend this because this was sort of a mistake, but it's a cool thing that happened. I have one five gallon bucket and, oh, some companies are gonna get mad when I say this. I have one five gallon bucket and, and I used to use that one five gallon um, fabric pot, pardon me, as um, the propagator for the, um, for the um, um, suckers or you know the new growths, the elbows, the suckers when I first started. And I'd have like, 10, between 10, 15 little suckers in there growing. As soon as I see the new growth, I'd hand them out to people. I'd give them away. After a while, I forgot they were all in that pot. So I noticed now, if you look at that one picture you posted, um, Brother Jay, where it showed the back end of the garden and on the far right side with just huge branches of tomatoes coming over. It's like maybe three, 400 tomatoes just in that one little corner. That's all from one five-gallon pot. So I know I'm, some manufacturers are going to get manufacturers and some producers, fruit producers, seed producers are going to get mad at me. But I'm going to tell you folks right now, at least my luck with hydroponics, if the food source is there, 
you can go for broke as many seeds as you want to put in that pot. There you go. I just said it. And that's if you're doing the technique that we're using. Another, and with that, the technique that we're using is we're using um fabric. There you go. There you go. Right there, far right side. Absolutely. Now that's from one that far right side, that's from one pot. That's from one pot. And because I learned, I learned this through my experience, because the um, food source, the um, nutrient solution is right there. The roots aren't actually fighting for room. They're just reaching out and just making their way out of that pot easy. So in theory, you can grow multiple tomato plants from that one pot. If you can do it with tomato, and I say tomatoes and not any other plants because tomatoes are a vining plant. You see what I'm saying? So you can teach them to vine up in a direction and they're fine in that pot. It's a four by four, four foot by four foot square um, grow bed. But the amount of stuff growing in that um, tomato grow bed and that four by four grow bed is astounding. We've had people come here and, and, and study it. We have, they're blown away. And it's, it's sort of like you have to factor in the process that the plant's going through, the process you're going through, the weather, how you can acclimate or how you can help this weather benefit your plants, benefit the, yeah, benefit your plants and without, without cost, pardon me, without costing you out of your pocket, because I don't think um, unaffordable gardening is sustainable. Um, it, it, it's not. We use the most basic things to keep things cool back there. It is. These processes we've been using, the Aztecs have been using for two, 3,000 years. They have. They were doing this in Egypt, 7,000 years, 7,000 BC. They were doing this technique. So it's nothing new. It isn't. You had a kind of a cool PVC planting trick. I don't know if you wanted to talk about where you put like the PVC in the bed and then if you want to talk about that. So right on, brother. Right on, brother. I hope I'm not boring you guys, man. My bad if I am. I, I hope I'm not. You're fine and you're not uh, boring at all. All right. So um, what we'll do is we'll take about a, a six inch piece of a four inch PVC pipe. So um, four inches around, four inches across. All right. Six inches long. And we'll cut that. All right. Oh, pardon me. We'll cut that off of a longer PVC pipe. And the main substrate we're using Actually, it works on any substrate, but in, in this case, we were using lava rock. And you'll take that PVC pipe, you'll set it on top of the lava rock, and you'll give it a slight turn, pushing it down. By doing that, you'll reach, after doing that, you'll reach your hand in, and you'll remove those lava rock. You'll notice there's a little gap there now. What you do is you take that PVC pipe, you turn it down a little more. You'll see that you pull out more lava rocks. Pretty soon, you'll see that you're down to where the water level is in those water rocks, which should be about two inches below your own top, two inches below the top of your substrate. At that point, you take your root plug, you slide it right into the space of that PVC pipe. You take the PVC pipe, you pull it over your root plug and just push the um, substrate in and it fills it. It's the easiest way to transplant a plant from gardening. And we've used it from aquaponic to hydroponic, from hydroponic to traditional. We switch all three methods of gardening with all different types of plants, and we've had success with all of them from one type of growing to the other. I was trying to find the video of, uh, I don't remember which video was on your site that I saw that on. I apologize. No problem. Should have bookmarked it, but I thought that was a cool little trick. 
Um, yeah. Find the video, and I apologize to everybody. Uh, I'll move on to a different question, though. Um, no problem, you sir. Grow on uh, New Zealand spinach. Tell us about that. A lot of people haven't had a chance to grow that. Well, um, I learned this um trick from um. Oh my gosh, I forgot. It was this dude named Jed. And he was really, or Jeb, Jed or Jeb, he was really famous. Not my friend, but he was really famous on um, social media for um, um, sustainable gardening. And I was a huge fan of his when um, I first started. And um, he was talking about plants that he used to live in Tucson. And he lives up in Canada now. Um, he's homesteading up there. But he, was, he used to talk about um, um, plants that you could grow in the desert that could live through the desert and have to actually thrive in it. And the one he brought up with was um the main one that I caught was on New Zealand spinach. It's also called um ice plant back there in New Zealand. And it's cool because if you look close at the leaf of the plant, you'll actually see crystals on it. And it reminded the people of New Zealand this is their land. And it actually it's called it wasn't called New Ice Plant in New Zealand. Pardon me, it wasn't called on um, New Zealand spinach in New Zealand. It's called that here. It's called that here. And as people from New Zealand came, it was like that reminds us of back home New Zealand spinach. Back home, it's just called ice plant. And it's a super green. It's filled with all. It's filled with all types of amazing vitamins and minerals. It really is. And the thing is, in a desert, it grows prolifically if you give it a good climate to grow in. You'll get a shade. It's very, very heat tolerant, and it grows. Um, it when I say it vines, if you know of vining plants, I can't think of anything else we've ever planted and grown it vined like this. It's a very prolific grower. Um, we use it to actually replace during the winter. We did grow on, on leafy greens, but we use it to replace the majority of our leafy greens because it packs such a nutrient punch and it has an incredible taste. It has like um, a little, you bite into it. Um, it has like, a, it's like a bite of sunshine with a little tart on it and that in a salad. And it's just amazing, brother. Now, the whole thing is that one little plant, all right, that took up. When it vined, it took up the entire side, four by four foot side of our um, grow bed reaching down. But in the actual grow bed, it only took up that four inch space. So in aquaponics, you want to keep in mind that um, um, you don't want to grow something that's going to take a long time to grow because it's in and out fruit and vegetable wise, with, um, produce wise with aquaponics, it's in and out. And it's in and out because you have the capability to grow vast amounts of a um, crop in a short period of time. And you can keep doing this and doing and doing this over and over again. And I'd say not so much, you can do it with hydroponics, but aquaponics is really the thing that um it, it got me. That's like the thing that really, really got me, man. I know I just drifted, my bad, but. Uh... It's all good, it's kind of have a, a more laid back show, it's fun. Um... What is there any other you also talked about mung bean? I haven't heard of mung bean. Can you tell us about that? Is that more of like a hot tolerant bean? Or? Well, here you go, sir. Um, before I was successful at hydroponics or aquaponics, I started with microgreens. And I have an indoor grow for microgreens. All right. I have an, <laughs> I have an indoor grow for my microgreens. But seriously, I started off with microgreens, um, mung bean, um, the, um, broccoli seeds, um, the, the variety packs, because these things are, once again, incredibly sourced with nutrients. And when, you, when I first started up gardening, I wanted something that was fail-proof. So I started with that, and it worked. 
I mean, like literally you can do it. I say three times a day, but you can change the water out on this little tray twice a day. You can grow them in a jar. You can grow them in a tray. But it's shocking because after four days, you cut the top off of all of this off or you cut off what you want to eat and it continues to grow and grow back and grow back. It's so I think mung beans are in a scent. I think it might be the same thing that are they not chia seeds, but I know chia seeds are edible, too. It's sort of in the same sense of something like that. Now you got these people who are buying these 12 inch microgreen trays. They're spending $15 a pop for these trays harvested. You can grow these in four days. So if anyone was actually being like, I want to make money out of this and I want something that's foolproof to grow, it would be microgreens. And it's super easy. You can do it on a shelf. One of these trays easily sell for $10, $15 a piece. You find your market for it, they're there. And that's why I said, um, and I got a lot of people started doing um, growing with those because I didn't want them to um, be discouraged. There's no reason to be discouraged. Dude, um, grass grows without you trying. All right? Without you trying. You want to know when it's messed up? When you try to grow grass. That means, all right, I know there are some, all right, I just heard what I just said. That can be taken different ways. You guys know what I mean. <laughs> well, go on, Dred. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, I guess it depends on what type of grass you're growing. <laughs> I know I was waiting for it. <laughs> I asked for that, Rastafari. I asked for that. <laughs> <laughs> heavy. I needed to shift them off the back of my head from earlier. Dude, that's an instant headache. Oh, yeah. You ever get it in a knot and you sleep and then you got like have your partner have to work out your entire lower back? I mean, your entire um traps? Uh, yeah. Man, touch. man oh, man. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Damn. Yeah. All right, Rapunzel. They're not, they're not so. You're not Rapunzel. You're you're a Blunson. Where's <laughs> my Rubunzel? I like that. <laughs> Rubunzel. It's not quite blonde enough, I guess. Maybe. I guess, well, I guess uh, Rubunzel has brown ones that look like a blunt. Have you got? I need to. Have you been to my stand-up? Sometimes I will pull a blunt out of my hair when I do that. Anyways. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about it really hard. Um, anyways, uh, let me go back to my questions here. Um, you have? Um, uh, do you have any advice for people trying to build their own solar array at home for their own? Yes. Garden? Yes. Um, fine as many solar um, groups that you can join um, and join them and, and join them. Never listen to the person that says, here's how you got to do it. Don't do that. Don't do that. All right. Um, join these groups. And before you do that, I promise you, this will be the smartest advice I could give anyone. Either YouTube or Google basic solar array. That's it. That's it. Anything that you're going to learn from one of those groups with people who say they know it all is going to confuse the shit out of you. Keep it simple, sir. Kiss. Keep it simple. All right. Keep it simple. Look at a basic um, array diagram of a basic solar array, which is so simple. It is. 
It is, man. And just take it from there. Take it from there. You can get a kit if you want to, if you want to, or you could put that kit together on Amazon or through local, like I said, Facebook and on Marketplace and Craigslist are your friends. That's what got me started. You can find um, affordable equipment through there. For a matter of fact, I was on, on Facebook earlier today and I saw 245 watt 24 volt plant panels. I think they were 9.8 um, volts or something like that. I might be mixing the number up, but um, they were for $65 a piece. That's a steal. That's like a steal steal. 240, pardon me, 250 watts a piece, $65 a piece. Brand new, you're paying like 250 because I think it's like a dollar a watt, something like that. So go for those places, look at those resources, because these things have guarantees on them. And these solar panels aren't like 20, 30 years old. They're maybe like five, seven years old. And you're doing this as an experiment because you're just getting started, but you don't, it doesn't need to break your pocket. Don't let it break your pocket. Don't. And when it comes to figuring out how many batteries that you may need, here's my rule of thumb. Um, we, for the most part, people have cars. All right. And if you've been driving for any uh, lengthy amount of time um, throughout your life, <clears throat> you probably left an interior light on or your headlights on. All right. And in a few hours or whatever, you go out and your car won't start because the battery won't turn over. Now, that happened to the same batteries we used, except it was a little tiny light bulb. All right. So imagine you got to have a battery bank. Don't expect one battery to power a pump 24 hours a day. It's not gonna do that. You have to know the limitations of the battery. It's simple math between a battery and your solar panels and a wattage of your equipment. You do that and you're going to avoid 99% of the problems that your boy right here did. And that's my biggest advice. Jump in, take your advice, don't spend overhead. Um, I also wanna point this out if I can. I've learned um, that a lot of my friends when they, they get solar done professionally. And I do recommend that get it done professionally, you know, if you want it. But, but if you do, make sure that you're getting the battery package with your solar array. Because right now, these grid tie, the vast majority of grid tie packages that people are getting don't have battery packs. So if a brownout or a powder outage occurs, outage occurs, you're still without power. And I learned that from um my, um, just from people who have contacted me recently, I really want to put that out there. Make sure you're getting that battery package with your solar array if you're getting it professionally done. If not, I mean, yeah, in 25 years, you'll be making money back from the government for electricity. But if your power goes off tomorrow, you're shit out of luck. And what good are those solar panels doing you? That's what I'm saying. The other thing I was going to say, I'm trying to find a picture of them like the ones I had in Jamaica. There they are. This is what I was thinking of. So the other option, if you're wanting to supplement it, is you can go with something like this. These smaller vertical wind turbines. Oh, I love those. Really good if you want something that, that you can, with, with the solar panels, especially yeah. if you're in a higher wind area, you're in the islands, you're in, a mountain range, a hillside, you know, anywhere where you're going to get more than wind than your average bear. Um, they are really, really, really good for supplementing solar. You got to put me on to that, Steve. Oh, yeah. Like I've seen similar. You got to put, come on, man. The, when you really get into uh, 
Uh, hold on, I'll show you the really big ones. You got it. You get into these bad boys. Oh, where are they? Oh, where's the Cali? Oh, I can't find them now real quick. Anyways, you can get these super giant um, uh, natural gas turbines now. It's like a giant turbine engine from like a tank or some shit, but it's it sounds like an airplane or a tank engine firing up. It's super cool, but they use them for like large scale remote um, cannabis operations or other just large farms that are out in the middle of nowhere in gas country where they don't have a lot of infrastructure for the um, electrical lines, but they do have a ton of infrastructure for the gas lines in the area. Um, I'm trying to find a picture of them. I think it's Cal Turbine. K-A-L? Second, I'll find them here. Cal Micro Turbine, that's what it was. Cal Micro Turbine. Yeah, these bad boys, so these are cool. I've had a chance to work with these on a grow and these are super neat because they're, they're um, they put out hot water and cold water and power. So they're, they're really, really neat uh, in terms of being able to use them for part of your climate control model for your greenhouse as well uh, for chilling stuff. So it's really nice. That's amazing. By yeah, the way, y'all. presented um, right before the, and got a chance to tour one of their facilities. They're really neat. Dude, that is really amazing, man. Wow. Well, and, and you know, that leads me to my next point. Um, there are so many innovations out there in the form of sustainable gardening. And, and because it's, it's much more than just a trend and it's much more than just a hobby. It's, I believe it's something that we all have to accept and play our part in it because we do have limited resources here. Look at this, man. They have small ones that are like pallet size and stuff, depending on your application. But a lot of times, so like um, a lot of places, California, and I'm sure parts of Arizona are like this, where uh, they don't allow you to have um, generators and stuff like that because they're worried about fires. They're worried about people doing yes. stupid crap. Um, but if you have a completely off grid where you are providing your own micro grid 100% of the time, then you're allowed to have it, right? So if you just say, hey, we're never gonna rely on the state or electrical grid, then that is often allowed. Whereas uh, other times it would not be um, if you had it just as supplementary or as backup. And California is a great example of that. So this, these right guys on, offer right. kind of good solutions, you know, up to uh, 100,000 kilowatts, um, you know, 30 to 100,000 kilowatts uh, with their stuff. So if you are looking for something more remote and they do have natural gas, man, the, this is the company that I, I recommend the most for larger scale stuff. I wrote them down, brother. Thank you for the wisdom. I wrote it down, my man. Wow. The other thing I wanted to talk about, just mentioning when you were talking about ways to mitigate heat stress, silica is very important to mitigating heat stress in plants and plant response. Uh, if the plants have right. it reduces bolting and lettuce, it will reduce leaf curling, it'll reduce all types of heat stress responses in plants, foxtailing and cannabis, um, all different types of heat responses that you have uh, from that specifically. Uh, can be mitigated with um, you know the proper silica levels, and the best way to do that is with just switching your potassium hydroxide or carbonate or bicarbonate 
uh, depending on what you're using and why, uh, to a potassium silicate uh, for your pH up, for your, your pH maintenance. And that does a really good job of passively supplementing silica and, and letting that kind of, you know, slowly accumulate into the system. I'm learning, brother. Thank you. Dropping jewels, man. That's what I'm talking about, brother. Dropping jewels, man. It also helps with frost resistance as well. You'll have uh, uh, fewer frost problems. So, so you, you can have a much lower temperature before you actually have tissue damage um, with a higher silica uh, level in the water. We've, we've seen that quite a few times, especially in this last Texas freeze. It was big, big time. The systems that were dosing it versus not. Um, uh, we saw that pretty, pretty night and day at one or two customers in Texas this year. Oh, man. I felt horrible when that entire thing, that just, it, you're watching your fellow brothers and sisters suffer, man. And I had a bunch of gardeners, um, you know, the bless the people, you know, that, that went through it during that time. I had a bunch of gardeners, man, who, um, it, it hit them hard, like aquaponics, sustainable gardeners, um, and it wiped out their entire crops. And even though it, damp it, it messed their houses up too, I got to tell you, they were pretty upset about their houses. The houses had insurance. Um, I realized a lot of them felt that they felt like they let their plants down and, and they were crushed. And that's how personal, you know, as gardeners that we take it. We, we, we take it. Those aren't just things. There. Those are those are living things. They, they live. We live. We coexist. We can benefit off of each other. And and it's. It was just really hard watching. It was really hard watching that happen. And I mean, they've recovered. A lot of the gardeners had recovered. My thing is, um, I just didn't want them to quit. It's, it's, and um, yeah, it, it messed me up. It, it did, it really, it messed me up because I remember what their gardens looked like the day before. I remember what they looked like the day before. And I, I wish I could have done something. You know, I, I, I wish I could have, I wish I could have done something, you know, it, it last summer when we, like I said, we had that extreme outrageous heat wave. I wish I could have done something um, for my residents here. And in fact, I was able to do that. Like I said, with the um, tomato starts and even with giving them an idea of, Hey, if things ever get this bad again, here's how you can actually survive and do this in the desert. And you know, like with sustainable, sustainable gardening, the biggest thing about doing it in a desert is, um, you know, folks are like, I got an eighth of an acre or I have two thirds of an acre or whatever. It's like, that's not really something you can look at with sustainable hydroponic and aquaponic gardening in a desert. It's not, I mean, cause and you're saying you got a little house here, you have a homestead. You wanna grow for your homestead, but you wanna use up all of this land. Well, you have to find a balance between your resources and what your needs are. And for the most part, 99.99% of the time, we need to set back, we need to um, draw back on our needs. Because for the most part, we're, we're wanting, not our needs, our wants. We're wanting, we're wanting too much. And I could show that in my yard because I had, my boys moved away, our boys moved away, they live in Phoenix now. So, but we were a family of five. And my kids are giants, man, my boys are giants. And so we were a family of five and those chickens, and those two, those two four by four aquaponic grow beds that one, pardon me, those two four by three aquaponic grow beds, that one three by three hydroponic grow bed, and that one four by four 
um, hydroponic grow bed provided the majority of leafy greens and fruiting vegetables that we would eat in our house. Because in the desert, you don't have the luxury of all of that space because you don't have the water, the luxury of the water to water all of that space. You don't have the luxury of shade. You know what I'm saying? To cool down all of that space. You, you don't. And you have to find a proper balance because um, and I'm not trying to get all deep with folks or anything, but with the abuses in the Colorado River, please bring awareness to that. The abuses going on with the Colorado River right now, damn it, we have to cut back ourselves because these growers are not. They're not. For the first time, I believe Southern California is actually having, a parts of Southern California are actually having a cutback on our water ratio. The same thing's being threatened here in Southern Arizona. This is because we're not understanding that there is a finite, thin line between what we want and what we have and what should be. If it's out of line with nature, it, it, it can't be. I mean, it's like I said, I don't want to get deterred off of what we're talking about, but you know, I when when I looked into it, and this is it's not me being a research analyst or anything, but when I looked into it and I was like, damn, it's the vast majority of this water is not coming to us city dwellers. And I need folks to know that it's not, it's not going to us city dwellers. It's, it's, it's going to these floodplain agricultural centers, man. That's where it's going. That's where it's going. So they're not even assuming the thought of sustainable gardening. Like if you see an avocado or an almond commercial now, you'll start hearing them mention. And I just noticed this, I swear to you, my friends, you'll just start, you'll just now start noticing that there's just now mentioning, um, we're trying to reserve water in this way or in that way. You got part of me for taking a sarcastic edge in this because no the hell you're not. No, you're not. You know who's gonna make our water supply last? Us. We are. The sustainable gardeners, the gardeners who know how to take water from a tap. They know how to clean it enough so that it supports the fish. That same water then goes through the system, supports the worms, supports the bacteria, supports the plants. Those plants then feed you. The quote unquote wastewater that you need to remove from that tank is used to feed the traditional fruiting and vegetable and gardens that you have on your yard. What if these large glowing, these large grow um, um, consortiums, these large, large growing corporations, what if they were to use an inkling an inkling of the sustainability that we know we have to, that we have to, because our water is going to be messed with, man. Our water is going to be cut short, not theirs. What if they applied the same thing? You know, the biggest part about together we grow is no, this is all we have. Together we grow. If we're not growing, guess what? Not living. Stagnation, stagnation, then it's death. As a race, as a human existence, I don't want to die. I don't want to be the death, the cause of the death of this planet. I don't want to be that reason. We, folks, not we, I don't even want to put myself in the ranks of folks like you, brother. I don't. Set the ground. Folks like you set the ground for folks like me, all right, to honestly look at ourselves in the mirror and say, what can we do? So maybe it's not a huge farm in Jamaica. Maybe it's not a huge farm in Africa. Maybe it's not a huge farm in South America. Maybe it's that four by four plot in my backyard that's making a damn difference. And I know it is. I know it is. Oh yeah, Liberty Gardens uh, in World War II. 
Hey, hey, what you know about Liberty Gardens, man? You're too young for that. <laughs> my grandparents grew up during the Depression. But my grandparents, I grew up in a garden. We had a, a two-acre, my grandparents had a two-acre garden. The whole back half of it was one giant, you know, garden plot. In fact, I, I looked at it on satellite the other day and I about cried because it was all like, you know, not maintained as a garden plot anymore. And I was kind of pissed off about it. But oh, no. my grandparents would conscript any kid that, you know, no one was looking after. Grandma would just grab them and knock on the door and tell them that she was kidnapping them. And then she'd conscript them into the gardens. <laughs> Child labor. <laughs> I think that was the legal way to do it back in the day. Nowadays, I think they call that kidnapping and all kinds of other things. She'd end up on a list somewhere and probably couldn't fly on an airplane. Yeah, she would. <laughs> <laughs> we had, a, <laughs> we had a, a couple of questions from chat. Uh, we have high GH and KH, so we're rarely using pH up. Um, you think using humic acid would be a good way to lower top off or lower the pH of top off water or is it too weak? I wouldn't use humic acid. Humic acid's gonna not really do a whole lot to your pH. Uh, labs actually would probably be your best bet and it can be a good way to kind of passively add it. You can add your lactobacillus bacteria uh, to lower that pH. You know, if you're dosing it at a one to 1000 rate um, in your system anyway, that's gonna naturally lower your pH a little bit on its own as well, but you can use it just for your top off water at an even higher rate and when you pour it into the system it'll be a, a lower dilution by the time it goes back into the system um so that would be what i that would be my choice or hey if you're if you're low on phosphorus go with phosphoric acid um the other option would be muriatic acid um, but labs would probably be my go-to if you can um what else do we have here okay i just saw that question real quick i wanted to to ask or at least answer it well before it totally scrolled by. <laughs> um, is there any crops that you haven't had a chance to grow yet that you'd be excited to grow in? You know, I, or maybe some stuff that this year you're growing that you haven't grown last year or anything like that? That's a, a great question. Um, we're growing hackberries this year, which are also heat tolerant, and they provide not only good tasting little berry fruit for us, but the um, um, songbirds love them as well as um, I think it's the monarch butterfly. It's their favorite um, one, I believe it's the monarch, another um, special butter, all butterflies are special, but another specific type of butterfly that love to um, lay their eggs or whatever they do on their larvae, whatever it is on the um, plants. So we're growing those. We're also growing on um, pomegranate, very heat resistant, lot, um, a little, um, li little use of water. And we're growing um, dragon fruit. And the dragon fruit has actually taken off um, over the last year. Another prolific grower form of cactus um, in the desert. And we're happy and excited to see what the outcomes of these new plant adventures are. Because um, uh, the idea is not to use an excess of water. And you'll hear me repeat this again, to grow with the desert instead of in spite of it. And during different seasons, each one of those plants that I just named will provide a different type of um, necessity or a different type of um, essential resource for the plant and animal life in our gardens, including ourselves. Awesome. Uh, is there any uh, additions that you're doing to your system anytime soon? Or are you pretty happy with uh, where you have? I saw that you'd worked with Dutch buckets. I wanted to ask your opinion on uh, on that with aquaponics or if that was strictly hydroponics and, and you know kind of what your experience was with that as well oh good question um, um that aquaponics rig that you saw is actually built 
to um, it's powerful enough to take care of two more grow beds on top of those ones we have. So we're going to double the size of the aquapines grow bed space. So we're going to do that in the winter because, um, like I said, we're in um, one the mid hundreds, one hundred fives, one tens. We're there now. I'm, you can't do that out in this desert. You you can't do that. So that's our fall spring project for um, next year. Um, wait, what was the other part of that question? Uh, just about if you're going to add anything else, or is there anything that maybe you you want to add that is different with your system? So, like, you have media beds, are you plan on adding more media beds, or are you going to do DMD oh. or or anything different with with the new addition? Well, see, um, with the new additions, they are going to be the media beds. We're going to stick with three and scoria lava rock because it works great for us. Um, and regarding Dutch buckets, we originally, when I went head over, like head deep, head first into the world of um, hydroponics, it was Dutch buckets. But living in a desert, um, we realized that um, if you're going to use Dutch buckets for hydroponics, that's a winter crop. You're looking at lettuces, things of that nature, very successful, brassicas, things of that nature, very successful. Um, for the summer, it's not enough water, even using because, um, are you familiar with the big boy systems, HTG, the big boy systems, um, big 55 gallon, you know, the big 55 gallon reservoirs, the, um, starts off with a six, you can, um, enlarge it up to, um, 18 bucket system. And I did that, went all the way up to an 18 bucket system and realized that it's still hard as hell to keep 55 gallons of water cool in a desert you're really fighting against nature <laughs> right now. Um, the only way that it would be cool is if it was like 350 gallons, all right? And you could get some air moving over the top of it, which led me um, into the aquaponics side. Now, um, I, we, do, uh, we do have a lot of experience with the Dutch bucket system. If you're, in, if you're growing indoors, if you're growing on a patio to where if it gets super hot, if you wanna take your plant in your house so it can get cooler, we would recommend the um, Dutch bucket system. And regarding the um, Dutch bucket systems, we'd also recommend um, um, a mixture of the clay balls and a cocoa core. It seemed to work great with us. It didn't seem to get too much of the cocoa core into the filter system or going back into the main reservoir tank. We didn't have a problem with that. Um, and that was just a little part of me. Let me take that back. Let me take that back. We use the mixture in the fabric pots where the shit can't get out. Okay, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> in the Dutch buckets, we just use the clay balls, man. I had to correct myself. We use the clay balls. I had to think about that. I did. But, I, did that was... I did just want to say <laughs> we, we did test a bunch of different types of cocoa coir at the aquaponics yeah. source. And the issue that why we stopped working with it was, was a couple of problems. One, a lot of times it's cheaply produced and these countries where it comes from don't have, sorry, but I have all kinds of creatures that I've adopted over the years. So I apologize. I'm but, loving this. <laughs> sorry, I apologize about the animals. Um, so um, a lot of these cocoa core comes from poorer countries and they wash it in the ocean, right? So you have very high sodium levels. Uh, in a lot of these and you also can you know over time accumulate things from that local area that maybe aren't so fresh uh, depending on where it is that they're washing it um, so uh, that can be a problem 
Uh, the other issue that we had with, um, uh, so make sure if you do go with cocoa that you get a better quality cocoa, you know, uh, don't just get the cheapest bag that they have, I guess is the point of that. Um, the other issue that we had with it was uh, we tried like the chips, they have kind of like a, an almost like it's like a mesquite chip uh, version yeah. of it as well that's for sale. And we had issues with that kind of getting really mushy after, you know, eight to 12 months. Um, if we, we didn't do that, uh, if we kind of put it in its own larger you know, pouch and then let it kind of grow indefinitely in the lab right and, uh, and, and in the showroom. Um, so absolutely, you can use it in a system, but just, just like you said, just make sure that you do keep it contained in some type of cloth pot or something exactly. else. Yeah. It will turn into mush and get into the media bed and then it's like impossible to get out. What was funny is when I was saying it, I was looking at you, looking at me, and as I corrected myself, you was like, okay, there he goes. He's no, 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 it's fine. You can use cocoa. It's just, and I'm not trying to tell you not to use it or, or even correct you. You know, by all means, if it works for you, man, you know, rock on. I'm just saying that. Uh, In the fabric, just like you're saying, just like you're saying, keep it contained. <laughs> yes, yes, keep it contained. Keep it contained in the fabric pots. Um, <clears throat> uh, we also realized, like, um, another thing that um. Keep in mind, like when you're building your system, if you want to apply solar to um, take care of, and if you want to apply solar, solar, make sure there's a reason you're applying it and, and stay realistic. Like if you want to heat your, um, and I should clarify this, like when it comes to heating the aquaponics tank um, during the winter, we plug into the grid. We do. I mean, I don't want to bullshit anyone. I don't want to lie to anyone. When it comes to heating the tank in the winter, we, we use, we, we're grid tied. And the reason we do that is because um, we use all of the chilling for the entire summer and spring when we're chilling it, we're using the solar. So it offsets the cost of what it would cost us. You know what I'm saying? To keep it grid tied and to chill it during the summer. So it really is an in-between play. Um, we're because, and we do that because we're less than a kilowatt right now. We're upgrading up to on um, five or six kilowatts. And at that time, we'll no longer be doing it. Everything, the heating, winter heating, everything will be through the grid. I just don't want anyone to look at the videos and, and, and be um, um, misconceived on what we're doing because um, I try to keep everything as clear as possible. In the summer, everything's running off that grid. Pardon me, everything's running off of um, solar. We live in a desert. We can take advantage of that. I'm talking about we're pulling down 4.6 um, kilowatts a day, dude. That's nuts. We're an 800 watt rig. That's what we're pulling down in the desert. As long as you have the capacity, the battery capacity to hold that energy, you're good money. What, what, what equipment, equipment you're using, as long as you're not trying to abuse it. It's not like we have six, 8,000 BTU air conditioners hooked up to it. It's not, that's not gonna work like that. We're using the one water tiller and we're using all smart devices. That fan that we have in a solar on shed, that's actually USB powered. And that's plugged right into um, um, one of our um, pieces of equipment, the solar pieces of equipment in the um, solar shed. So the majority, like I, I can tell you how much it costs to run everything here because we have everything hooked up to smart meters and the smart outlets. And that's the best part of what we're doing is when we look at the end of the month, how much money we save. And then you look at how much you produce that month. And then you realize you're really living in the idea state of sustainability especially living in a country like America, where as I don't want to say we're as sustainable as you're going to get. We are comfortably sustainable and there's more room to grow. 
Man, Steve, you got me drifting. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, uh, we uh, we had uh, on to continue drifting some pretty funny stuff in chat. Somebody said potent petting zoo and potent petting palace. Uh, <laughs> the triple P. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So, potent uh, petting zoo. <laughs> Um, so, uh, but no, but I absolutely uh, agree with you. You know, it's super cool to have that type of food security and, and have that kind of, you know, on-site uh, production and not have to worry about, you know, oh, if this happens or even just an event of like what happened in Texas, you know, there was parts of Louisiana that took over a month to get power again after that. But a lot of people don't realize that a lot of parts of Texas and Louisiana and the more remote areas, it took a month for them to get power again. Okay. So, that's you know what do you what would you do what you know what are you going to do about a grocery store what are you going to do about uh anything right like what are you what are you yes, going to you're gonna drive three hours each way you know we, we had to go through that when the floods happened in colorado you know what what used to be an easy 50 minute drive suddenly became a uh, a three-hour trek to get groceries each time we had to get groceries so you know um yeah. the most recalled food that we have in the u.s isn't beef, isn't chicken, isn't pork, it's leafy greens. It's leafy greens. Now, um, last year, um, when I finally got the, well, no, this is like three years ago, three, four years ago, when I really, really got to just the hydroponic garden. You know, I had my, my tube system set up. Um, I had my lettuce growing in a tube and it was all healthy. And my friends back home were like, man, it's nice to have that, but why do you need that? If I want lettuce on a burger, I'm just gonna get me a burger with lettuce on it. And then we had the recall on lettuce. And it was like, why burgers cost so much now? Why am I spending so much money on lettuce? Why is lettuce so expensive in the stores? To me, to me, Brother Steve, that's when it hit to me how we could really benefit from this. Because I was like, yo, you know what? You could have people with um, a, a block of gold right now, and they can't get a, a head of lettuce, and that's really going to piss them off. But I got mad heads of lettuce right here, all right? So when it comes down to it, what's real power? What's real strength? Is it the hand that's full of seeds or is it the hand that's full of gold coins? Unless there's something to buy, those gold coins mean nothing. Those seeds are life, brother. Absolutely. Hold on, we gotta do our quick uh, our quick shout out here. Kuteng clan ain't nothing to fuck with. I don't know where Kut is tonight. <laughs> I love it. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of this running joke we have now <laughs> anyways he we like to have him on the show and he'll, he'll randomly pop in but we uh anyways long story um no problem yeah uh, i don't want to uh take up your whole evening i had to cover one or two other questions um do you have any other advice for people dealing with hot climate aquaponic systems or setups since you've had quite a bit of experience do you have any advice for people looking to plan their own in a, in a similar type climate yes sir if possible um do it indoors however you do it do it to scale grow what you need like seriously grow grow what you need um, do it indoors if possible. 40% shade cloth, cloth is your best friend. Anything more than 40%, your roots aren't going to be stimulated correctly and your leaves aren't going to receive proper um, stimulation from the sun. So it's not going to work right. It's not going to work right. And it, well, I can't say it's not going to. It can, but you're not going to get the most potential out of your plant. The biggest thing growing in a dry desert climate, 
and I can't stress this enough, hey, make sure your gardens are facing east to west. Like I said, when you're walking in the sun, your top of your head is covered. So you want the sun, the way that the sun travels, which is the only way that your garden can travel is the way that the sun is traveling east to west. You want to have the, your sun, the, the, the your head of your garden covered. East to west, 40% sunblock. If it's costing you more to cool your garden than it is for you to grow, grow differently. If you think there's a limitation on how you can grow, you're dead wrong. This is the only time I'll ever tell you you're wrong. If you think that you can't grow, pardon me, I lied just now. Uh, there's another time I'm gonna tell you you're dead wrong because yes, you can. All you have to do is plant that first seed. You got this. I'm a guy, I'm a transplant from upstate New York. Dude, we all know how to skate. We all ice skate. We all know how to ski and shit, man. Are you serious? I'm from the central, I'm from central New York. Pardon me. Peace out, Utica, all my family back there. Big 315 in the house. Um, this was new to me. I couldn't grow crap back home. My people back home, shout outs to my man, Chris Bivens, um, Chippy, um, um, Joe Sweet, the entire growing crew up there. Love you guys. They got me started, man. Mark, Danny, Rabise, they got me started. And what they taught me back then didn't even click until I got to the desert. Because I couldn't relax enough to just let growing be. I had to have a challenge. And my challenge was not to grow against the desert, but to grow, not to grow in spite of it, but to grow with it. And I think in that regard, in that regard, we over here really accomplished something that Biosphere 2 did not. And I'm not kidding when I say that. Anyone can make, the, and anyone can make an innovation. Anyone can make an innovation. I didn't even realize I made one until recently. Well, I, I know. Didn't I, because didn't, it, I didn't see any purple sticky hemp and no poly shore. Okay, so well... <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> no, no, I just, I just, uh, I just, I love that movie and I love that scene. So I just had to, had to shout that out. You're clearly on a, on a better. Dude, dude, he tore that shit up. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's not as much science based. Stay relaxed if you do it. We as humans have been doing this for tens of, not tens of, but for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, we've been doing this. Aquaculture, we've been doing it. And the way you described it earlier, Steve, with, you know, using with the, your friend who has, um, he has the, um, the, the fish farm with the growing of the beautiful variety of fish, but it's actually um, tied in with the permaculture, with the stuff that's growing, and he has the channels going out to each end. Well, um, um, 2,700 years ago, all right, and on um, Casa Grande, which is in Arizona, which is the, the big house, the big castle, um, that was the head of the river people. And the river people would have these channels going off of the um, Casa Grande River. Um, and they would have these channels going out to between, between um, a mile and 10 miles going out from the side of the river. And these channels would have, just like you were um, explaining, you were describing with the fish going up, just living their daily life through the channels. But these channels were used to feed um, to provide um, um, water and fertilizer for the agriculture they were grown. We're relearning something. We're relearning something that we've known forever. And I just hope we just, <laughs> I hope we don't lose it, man. 
I really don't. I hope I hope we don't lose it again because that would suck, brother. It would. Whoa. Yeah, this is part of Josh's farms, Dutch Bloom's farm. He's done a lot more work the last couple of months to it. Uh, you can see the stream. Good man, there. Josh. But uh, he'll be uh, he'll be uh, he'll be on the show again soon with more tours. But uh, he's constantly upgrading it. Um, but super cool facility is the guy I was telling him about. Um, but as a super cool uh, greenhouse facility, um, ponds that integrate to it, you know, I living love soil, Hugo, uh, all integrated together into one giant system that feeds off of one central watering area that all goes back into the ground and then back into the system. It's, it's that's really absolutely cool. amazing. That's that's um, a, tell him, man, yo, 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 tell him he's my hero, man. He's killing it. You got the different tanks and sprayer for uh, spraying the, the beneficial microbes around without killing them. Mm -hmm. Anyways, super cool farm. Uh, definitely check out his content. If you want to see a whole tour of it, we did a whole uh, tour of it on the as part of the virtual aquaponic cannabis conference. Uh, yes, don't sir. forget this year's is going to be in November, yes, uh, the second weekend in November. If you guys are looking for that, we'll, we'll have a whole really awesome uh, guests uh, lineup. We have a uh, Hold on. Uh, well, I don't know if you know. I'm gonna keep it secret, but we have some super cool guests uh, lined up for for the uh, right on. including um, an interview. We're gonna have a, a, a talk with the only current uh, legal aquaponic cannabis producer in Bangladesh, uh, as well, and some other really really cool speakers that are, are gonna be outside of it. We're also gonna have a home growers panel, a craft growers panel, and a commercial growers panel this year. Uh, as far as um, uh, panels for, for, you know, different levels of, of commercial production. The, the industry has really grown in the last year and a half, and uh, we kind of have a lot more people that, that can talk now. Um, so it's a, a lot a lot of fun. Uh, some people you guys had last year, and then quite a few new faces. We're going to have more speakers than last year by a considerable amount. And depending on how many people RSVP, we might even add a third day. So, uh, Oh, nice. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we had a real big success last year and uh, put a ton of content out. We had uh, 14 hours of content last year on aquaponic cannabis growing from speakers from around the world. Uh, this year, we're going to have at least, well, significantly more than that hours of, of content. Uh, we're going to do uh, 8 a.m. Well, we'll announce it when it's all together, but it's going to yes, be sir. a couple extra hours on that. <laughs> right on. So, yeah, super on that. Um, uh, so is there anything um, that people can do if they want to support you or follow you uh, or, or anything like that? Oh, I appreciate that, brother. Thank you. Um, please um, check out our website, Together We Grow AZ. It's all one word, togetherwegrowaz.com. And um, that's where we'll be, where we'll be um, promoting and a partner sign up for our, um, our um, <clears throat> newsletter um, that we'll be starting. And you'll be getting all of the newest information about tips, tricks, any new discoveries we make here, any new discoveries, any new finds <laughs> that we make in aquaponics here. Plus you'll get exclusive first, um, um, you'll get exclusive VIP um, views. So all of the videos that we make, all of our upcoming videos, including our brand new YouTube series, which is gonna be called Together We Grow. And it's on um, Together We Chuck, Sam and Collins, Together We Grow on um, YouTube. So please look us up there as well. 
as well as Together We Grow on Facebook, which is where we'll be giving you the most updated information on um, special guests, um, new starting special guests, um, special assignments that we'll be having in the new show coming up. For instance, um, in the month of July, fingers crossed, um, I can't say the name yet, but we might be having a former Super Bowl NFL champion come here who's fond of gardening. Um, he's going to take a look at our place, give it a walk around. We'll also be giving you exclusive, um, um, offering exclusive tips, um, like once again on gardening, on aquaponics and hydroponic gardening. Um, once again, that's um, TogetherWeGrowAZ.com. That's TogetherWeGrow on Facebook. And that's um, TogetherWeGrow on um, <laughs> YouTube. You can find me, I believe you can find me on um, Instagram at Chuck the Same Man Collins. You can also find me personally on um, Facebook at Chuck the Same Man Collins. I really don't find a differentiation between any of the contacts. What you see is what you get. This is the real me. I can't be anything less. Couldn't chisel this happiness away with a hammer and a knife. I'm sorry, guys. This is just the way it is. But please contact us. We can't grow unless you help us grow. We plan on making trips all around the nation, not just the nation, but around the world to bring this beautiful idea of sustainable living to all of you. And if you'd like us to bring this idea, to bring this vision to your town at a speaking seminar or anything of that nature, please contact us at Together We Grow AZ. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Steve, for everything, my brother. Absolutely. And thanks for coming on the show tonight. Uh, it's been a lot of fun talking with you. and. Uh, uh, getting to know you and uh, yeah. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to, to talk about or mention before we wrap up the show? Um, just the shout outs to my people back home. Um, most first and foremost, my mom. Mommy, I love you. After my mom, even though she's not back home, she's here. My beautiful wife. I love you, Rosie. Guess what? We planted that first seed and we did it. Okay, it just sounds like we made a kid. Don't edit that because that's, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. She's going to laugh when she sees this. You planted a couple, I think. Well, we planted. Oh, man. Oh, man. Five boys, one girl. We did it, dude. <laughs> we did it. Oh, and hey, guys, listen. 50 is just the number. All right? I still break dance. I still do backflips. It is what it is. Eat green, stay clean. All right? Drink distilled water. I don't say, I mean, distilled water. Make sure you drink good water. Okay? Don't drink this tap crap. Um, stay away from sodas. I don't know what else to tell you. Eat your vitamins, do your exercise. It's Hulk Hogan, America, motherfucker. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're fine. No, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Again, we all matter. already get censored by YouTube, so it's fine. <laughs> and whatever, guys, whatever you do, stay blessed, stay up, stay positive. When you wake up, your eyes wake up, your eyelids rise, and don't ever let anyone take anything about you down that entire day. I love you guys, all right? Peace. Awesome. Thanks, man. Really you got it, brother. Take care. Take it easy, Steve. Peace. Cheers. All right, everybody. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. Um, you guys can find out uh, more information on uh, him over at uh, togetherwegrowaz.com. There's a link in the description along to, with a link to his YouTube channel as well. Uh, you can find out more. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot for joining us again. You can check out apmjclass.com for the aquaponic cannabis class that Marty and I have. Uh, we have over seven days of video content as well as 650 slides uh, and um, numerous uh, live sessions now. 
and we're constantly adding new content to the course. So definitely check that out. And if you do need aquaponic cannabis nutrients, you can check that out at apmjnutes.com. And if you need vegetable nutrients, you can check that out over at trueaquaponics.com. Thanks a lot for joining us. You can find us, uh, all of previous episodes are available in both audio and video format. Uh, you can find them on video format on uh, the Potent Products YouTube channel or in audio format on Spotify, iTunes, so uh, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, um, all the different things. So, all right, guys, thanks a lot. Take care and we'll see you guys again next